You're about to hear the latest episode of the Big Inside View with Graham Hunter. Listen at the end to find out how you can hear the full episode and get around nine hours of exclusive content every month. This one started with me asking Graham to pick his favorite goal for weekend's action in Spain. It's easy. I'm going to give people a clue. I'm not going to give it all away. I'm going to name... Gonzalo Manuel Ganchincho Gedge. Eh? And nobody will know what I'm talking about because from now on in, everywhere around Northern Europe is going to be pronounced as Geddes. Uh, the Portuguese, I'm assured, call him Gedge. Um, I'm calling him a boy genius. The reason the reason he gets my goal of the weekend in this beautifully introduced new slot um, is that this guy transmits everything that we have the big inside view for the big interview for he gives you back your love of football in that um this is a kid a kid on loan um a kid who's still um just 20 he'll turn uh, 21 in november late in november and already he's transfixed la liga so he carried into this weekend that um completely unfair but also unbridled sense of expectation and responsibility that makes you pick up a paper to read a match report, to switch on the TV, to go to a game, to talk to your workmates about um, there's a genius coming. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 that you can peer ear to the ground and hear a train coming. It's the same with great footballers. And it, the, the internet age, I think, Neil, consumes new talent, kind of, chews it up and spits it out much, much more quickly than was ever the case when you or I were uh, growing up in the times of the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Um, in that, you know, Mbappe is already an absolute household name. Everybody knows everything about him. And he's a golden boy. Um, Dembele, I think his story is, in, is increasingly well told. I think he'll probably be second. I'm not certain. I know Mbappe is golden boy, the total sport golden boy, meaning like the the young golden prince of European football. <clears throat> and Dembele's case has probably diminished a little bit given that he's he's picked up this horrible injury. In the 24-man list, which fe- featured one of my favourites, Pulisic, at Dortmund, there was no Gedge. Not listed anywhere, which is just um, a farce. Because... He's lit up the season already with a couple of goals and assists. He's already after the weekend when they played Sevilla, who are, you know, should be thorny rivals, but who are in the midst of a tailspin, um, who were clearly tired after having travelled back from Moscow, having been um, away in the Basque country um, at the uh, last weekend. They, they look and, and feel uh, confused and tired and. Yet they were holding out well. Um, their coach, uh, Berizzo, changed Sevilla's setup, um, changed their personnel, made them look lively. They were containing Valencia, and I thought admirably, until the ball, I think the ball's played out from the back and Sevilla aren't pressing by Gabriel Paulista, Arsenal fans. Remember, you had him, you lost him. And Rodrigo, the, the footballer who um, is very much... Um, Alamod at the moment because he was picked by Lopetegui for Spain scored um, has scored 5-6 on the trot set a, or uh, equaled a club record for Valencia um, has with Simone Zaza been leading the line his little f- I, I'm not yet converted fully to Rodrigo I think they got, I've 
My worry is that the goals are masking a player who um, I'm not 100% certain is top level, but his flick, as the ball comes to him, pinged hard. And what he wants to do is just give an, a, a deft sort of layoff, a touch, a kind of billiards shot that you might get when you're looking to double up. And the ball falls almost into Gedge's path. But he has to he has to take it from behind himself because he's running so fast. And he does that. And he kind of just pulls it and flicks it around in front of him and sets off in a race. And the race looks like it's going to take him one-on-one with Sergio Rico. And because Gerich is, is playing with that um, joie de vivre where a, a player, now it doesn't matter who, what age, but a play, he, these guys who are in the zone transmit it. They, they transmit that feeling of, I can do anything. This is... This is my world. This is my ball. This is my game. And you think he's going to run straight through? Because boy, believe me, he's got the pace. But he adds, he adds Ian Scanlon or Tommy Hutchinson or Eddie Gray filigree, because as he gets to the edge of the box, I swear he's almost allowed uh, the Dane Kiar, who's had a bugger of a week. <laughs> I'd have to say sorry, pal, but he's had a Hogholmerflöde, which is a wild strawberries with cream in Danish. If, if you want to practice it, get the it's the Um So he's had a wild strawberries with cream kind of week, and um, he dives in because Geddes, while he slows down, shapes to shoot, and Kiaris buys the ticket for the whole uh, timeshare before he finds out it doesn't have planning permission, and he's in there, he's on the ground, he's gone, man, he's slid out of the picture. And Pizarro, the Argentinian tidy up midfielder, is there, but he's off balance because he's on his feet, but he's followed Kiar and he's followed this idea that it's going to come off Gedish's uh, left foot because he has a left foot. He's ambidextrous, even though um, his his right foot is definitely stronger. So Pizarro is off balance. So when uh, Gedish is cutting across the edge of the box, Pizarro is just standing there marooned like a lighthouse, can't do anything, can't do anything other than flash a searching light on his own team's deficiency as this 20 year old on loan for PSG that the Mestalla is already wetting its pants about you know if it was 1963 the women in the Mestalla would be throwing jelly babies that they used to do at Ringo and George and Geds sees the um, top left hand corner or Sergio Rico's top left hand corner and Sergio Rico's a tall goalkeeper not Peter Crouch height but He's tall and, and well-built and has a fantastic reach. And he dives full length as Gedge unleashes this shot off his right foot to the top corner of the net that looks right-hand to him and left-hand to Rico. And Rico's full-length dive leaves him about five foot short of this effort that, that probably touches you know, a coat of paint on the stanchion and post as it goes into the, what they call, we've always called the postage stamp space at the at the top of the goals. And it's, it feels like an eruption. It feels, but you often talk about rocket shots. This one did feel like that because it, again, when, in, in golf where you, where you're driving or let's say you're playing off the fairway and you swing and you don't feel like you've hit the ball. There's no jarring connection, but it goes, you know, 250, 300 yards. That's what this was. The, the movement of the ball from it leaving his foot to, to bulging the net, it, it, it's, it's going at a speed that seems to be impossible to achieve. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous goal. They've been contenders this weekend um, across La Liga. If Dimitrovic, the, the keeper for Ebar, doesn't kind of fumble it because it goes through 
his Portuguese centre half's legs. You know, the goal that Real Madrid score when Isco sets it up, it goes Modric, Isco, lovely cross, left foot volley from Asensio, kind of in there as a contender, but Gedge, well, Gedge's goal was enough to just make you fall head over heels in love with football again. And uh, when you when you watch Valencia's game against a host of best supporting actors, it's he's the Oscar, he's he's the Academy Award guy that you're looking for. I don't know, Socios, if you need it after that description, but we'll try and grab a clip of this goal in case you didn't catch it across the weekend, and we'll put it up at GrahamHunter.tv. It was, as we used to say, a total raker. So let's <laughs> put the handbrake on for a little while and and pause on what's happening at Valencia. And I think let's it, start with him, Thoniel. I mean, you're it. right. I, I, you're right that there's a big old story about, and it's not. I don't think it's a clear and 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 simple story, either about the reconstruction or about who's who's been given credit for it. Because at least one of the guys who should be given credit for for it has been sacked. Um, but I don't want to leave Geddes there. His dad has a phrase about him where he said he's always played two years above his level, and that is the litmus test. I think it's attributed probably mostly to Cruyff because it was a philosophy at Ajax when Cruyff was making his debut in 1963 that the idea even then was take, take a good player. It doesn't have to be take a genius. Take a good player and make sure that he's been tested physically and mentally in terms of his, his psychology and his ability to find solutions at an age group that's stereotypically it's about two years ahead of where he should be. Look at Wayne Rooney making his debut at 16 for that goal against Arsenal. There are more and more, I think, examples whereby, because, to coin Gordon Strachan's phrase, genetically, you know, people in advanced countries in Europe have changed in terms of the physicality age 16 compared to maybe what was possible in the 50s or 60s or even the 70s. But that test is one that, according to uh, Gonzalo Gedge's father, he's been doing probably... Well, since he was six, he, he made his debut in one of the junior Benfica teams, age six. His team won 5-0, and young Gonzalo scored all of them, scored five. Now, that's kind of Messi-esque. This isn't another Messi, but it is kind of, when you look back at that data and you say, well, has this always been on show, or is this, is this a freak thing? Well, it ain't. And I'd go further to say that um, this is, for those of you who don't watch the UEFA Youth League, if you get the chance, do. Absolutely do. What you're going to see is is guys that very quickly you'll be able to say, 18 months later, 20 months later, I saw that kid when he was 16, 15. I saw him bursting through. in the in, And this is the first time I became aware of Gedge, not aware that he was this good. But the debut league, the debut season of the, Europa, the UEFA Youth League, which took over from Next Gen, and I was dubious at the time of whether, because Next Gen seemed to me to be doing a good job, but good enough for UEFA to subsume it and take over and uh, for Mark Warburton to go in and do what he subsequently did because it, he was kind of the architect of next gen. So when Benfica finished runners-up in that um, 2013-14 season, Gedge is part of the Benfica youth team and the first game he plays dictates his future because they go to um, Paris Saint-Germain and they pump. Paris Saint-Germain, they absolutely take them apart, 4-1 in the French capital, and um, Gedge plays the whole game, it's um, a precursor to them beating Olympiacos, 
um, thrashing Anderlecht, drawing at home at, at which, with Paris Saint-Germain, at which point Gedge scores. They dispense with the Austria-Vienna. They then beat Manchester City. And think about that with their academy, their resources. Um, they go to England. They're one-off games. They knock Manchester City out the quarterfinals. They then draw Real Madrid. And this is at a point where, OK, the, La Fabrica, the factory, as the youth system there is called, wasn't necessarily acknowledged in the way that it is now retrospectively for there having been genuinely a flurry of players that have come through and not only made it in the first team, but who are pivotal to the first team's development. So in 2014, I'm not trying to big Real Madrid up, but for example, the current manager's um, son, Enzo, was playing in that game. It's held in Spain. It should by no means have been a walkover, but it was. Gedge and Benfica go to Real Madrid, win 4-0, absolutely thrashed. So Marcos Llorente, who's now a firm part of the first team squad, starts and plays the 90 minutes. Ismael, who's on the, you know, there or thereabouts, um, subsequently. Enzo Zidane, 4-0, and, and Gedge is part of something very special. They lose to Munir's Barca. If you remember, it's the final in which Munir chips the keeper from the halfway line. And what looked like a very good Barca side, although the majority of them have gone on to very little, apart from the keeper, Fabrice Andor, who wins the African Cup of Nations and is now one of the backup keepers at Sevilla, Atletico backup keepers to Sergio Rico. And, and Gedge begins to shine then. The thing that I think, <clears throat> excuse me, is important about Spanish football, at a time when I know that not all our socios, by any manner of means, are either English or in England. But boy, Neil, the debate right now is is huge. I'm sure we talked about this before. I really hope we did. That when we look at them being, I think, already World Cup winners at under-19 level, semi-finalists at um, under-21 level, I think beaten European finalists at under-17 level, and currently semi-finalists at the under-17 World Cup against Brazil, also th- third-ranked in, I think, the world um, at, at women's level. So I think... Is happening that idea about St George's Park, the change in coaching, the change in development, the change in tournament mentality. I noticed that England won a penalty shootout again uh, to come through to this semi final against Brazil. The thing that the seniors could never do, something is is happening. And I say that because the debate in England at the moment is like, well, will the clubs promote the kids? Um, and the idea seems to be, well, the kids, it's on the kids, it's the responsibilities on their shoulders to prove that they're all kind of wonder kids and therefore they must be promoted. When that is utter bullshit, the idea is that the clubs need to go, we're trusting in McEachern or we're, Jaden Sancho's going to Dortmund, we're trusting in these guys automatically and we will give them the platform over two or three seasons to prove that they're that they're fabulous and i mentioned that because you know that's 2014 in may 2014 that probably is competing in that final and by 2015 he's playing for benfica's first team going to atletico madrid and winning 2-1 and scoring the winner um which is when he absolutely stood out and simeone said this is a kid that i adore so you know if we want to recap Two games in the youth league against Paris Saint-Germain, they spot him, they sign him eventually in due course for 30 million euros. But he has a right good show against Real Madrid. He has a right good show against Atleti while he's playing for Benfica's first team. He's a right good show against Barcelona and they all miss him. Neil, they all miss him. Benfica um, make a lot of money by selling to Paris Saint-Germain, who at the time, I suppose you could just about understand why he might not fit in that superstar overloaded team where Di Maria can't get a game 
But you can bet your your bottom dollar that Emery, that the owners at Paris Saint-Germain wish that they had this guy now on this form because this guy on this form would start for City, United, Barcelona, Real Madrid or Paris Saint-Germain. Absolutely phenomenal footballer. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. That's a really good point, his position at at Paris. We were talking just before we started this conversation about a few of the players that Valencia have got at various stages of loan and purchase clauses. But make no mistake, Paris, this is a this is a season long loan and then we'll have you back. Thank you very much. But if you look at the players that PSG have got and the kind of positions that Gedge is gonna be playing in, you can yeah. see why they loaned him out, you know, at the start of the season. Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm not criticising you. You're bang on there because I, mean, I think that when, once you've got, you know, up front Cavani and Neymar and Mbappe and you've got creative players like um, Rabiot and Draxler and Di Maria alternating, Pastore too. The, there's nothing that Pastore does that, um, I mean, I'm not Pastore's number one fan because his lack of effort. He thinks his talent is above effort and work rate. Where this is, go back to, um, he's hypnotic from the gets doesn't have any of that you know he can play his actual preferred position is right wing so he viewed himself as a winger whose you know dominant ability would be to supply assists um, of which he's got five this season from his off his natural foot on the right wing but this inverted idea of him playing down the left and cutting inside onto his right is also working. It looks very comfortable. And he plays quite narrow yeah. on the left for that, probably for that reason. You know, he's, he's off. That's that's true. That's true. And and uh, that is true. And there is another reason in that he can play as, if not an out and out nine, he can very easily play as a second striker. And he's very comfortable around the box, not simply in the way that you and I set up, where he, you know it's a counter attack, or it's not quite a counter attack, but it's a brilliant uh, lightning quicker. Uh, attack whereby the, the Rodrigo flick in midfield allows him to run free as if it were a counter-attack. He, in in build-up play, he can be quite happy in that sort of nine-and-a-half false nine position too. So narrow is true, but he's also, I think he's more and more drawn to the penalty box as he finds that this move from right wing to left wing has proven to him that <coughs> he'll be a prolific goal scorer. And, and I think he genuinely will be a, a very, he'll be hitting very high totals. He's, he's, it's like, again, I'm not making a messy comparison with the skills. I'm making a messy comparison that when Guardiola said to him principally before the 6-2 at Real Madrid, 
I want you to come in and play closer to the goal. I want you to play in a false nine whereby you're in the pocket of space between midfield and defence. And let's see if they know whether to press you or not, because my, I suspect they don't know. That that comfort, that ability of Messi to say, I like being nearer the goal, um, I prefer it to being like a, a really uh, a set-up player 10 or a winger, Gibbs is finding the same, Neil. He's finding that the closer he is to the goal, the surer he is he's going to score. And that will change his mentality and that will change his usefulness to Valencia, I hope, for the rest of the season. And he's been asked all the time now, will you stay? And he's saying, I don't know, I'm very comfortable, I'm very happy. But the choice probably isn't going to be his, which is what you were hinting at, because PSG would absolutely need to be outright deranged not to immediately give him a massive new deal and make sure that he's tied to them for the next four or five years at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I get that, and it's really interesting, but PSG have kind of got the rest of the season to to work out how they're going to do that because they'll end up with something of a tension because they're going to have this kid coming back looking for a jersey, a jersey that's currently occupied by probably one of the most expensive footballers, excuse me, of all time, and also a kid who's just had a season where he's been the man. Yeah, my, I mean, in an ideal world, that's that's all true. But Mike is right. He's got a contract with PSG. They'll say to him, "Listen, as much as we love you, you're the you're the you know player twelve or player thirteen, and you come on when you you, you play in the cup or you substitute when Neymar's suspended as he is now, having been sent off for getting up and understandably at a clock to two, you know, gone chin to chin with a campus in at Marseille." Uh, last night when the referee wasn't protecting him. You know I'm not a massive Neymar fan in terms of his attitude or his personality. Set his skill aside. He gets up, goes chin to chin because the campus has just chopped his angles out from underneath him on the run. And, you know, that will happen with Neymar. Um, Cavani's at an age now where you're not going to find him playing, even if he stays, you know, 50 games a season every season. Sometimes Neymar or Mbappe will step into that number nine role. That's absolutely granted. Mbappe at his age is younger than um, Gedge. There will be times where, you know, he's rested four or five games. And I'd rather he stayed in Spain. It, to me, it's a dream ticket if he says, um, or, or guarantee me another year on loan uh, because he's playing all the time. It's not just selfish. This is a kid who needs to be playing 40 games a season, not 15 starts. So I'm with you. I'd, you know, I'd rather that the situation in Paris Saint-Germain left him playing where he's loved, where he's growing, where, you know, the threat for the national team is, you know, as far as I can see, um, he's talked, he's he's being offered Cristiano Ronaldo comparisons all the time because ostensibly, although Ronaldo is one of the great goal scorers of all time. You know, at Madrid, he's liked to play off the off the left wing, scoring from positions and scoring in a manner, cutting in onto his right that Gedge uh, mirrored against Sevilla. Um, but they, they, I don't think they resemble each other greatly, except for, in that Gedge already looks a more complete footballer. I think he's at 20, he's got far more in his armory than Cristiano Ronaldo has. But what Gedge has come out and said and been quite explicit and articulate about Neil is that the thing he models himself on in terms of Cristiano Ronaldo is he, and his exact words are dedication and hard work can bring you way above the talents that you've been born with. If he's learned that at 20 and can express it rather than just give you some, you know, PR bullshit and salute the flag, uh, 
Cristiano's great and I must copy him. He's clear about what it can do for him. Then, whoa, sky's the limit, man. Sky is the limit. To hear the rest of this episode, including Graham's take on how Simone Zaza got his groove back at Valencia and what Barcelona and Real Madrid got up to last weekend, it's time to become a socio of the big interview. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and for £2.99 per month, you can get immediate access to all of our archive material. Socios get ad-free and in full every episode of the big interview, the big inside view and the specials that we produce, including this week, a Q&A with Graham. To get that and everything else that we produce in full and ad-free, go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.